1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, (laughs) Repeat. Look at all I've got. Let's make a plan. You had, but God. Ho, ho, and Merry Christmas to all our listeners here at Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. I am the Santa Claus, Ross (laughs) McLeod, of this show, although I do work more than one day a year, unlike some of the people on the shows. (laughs) Another beloved Christmas tale with my my little helper, Gary Kernigham. Gary, how are you? I'm good, Ross. I'm delighted to be your elf
0: or your Mrs Claus for today. Bring in the listeners of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, retweet, another Christmas present. The type of Christmas presents you get from your mother-in-law, you, the type of presents you never actually asked for, but everybody loved the viscera special when it came, and they're going to love this special.
1: I know, Look, you said you wouldn't use those slippers, and you did, so shut up, you're getting another pair. Uh, that's okay. the kind of what this is. It's, <laughs> it's another beloved Christmas special. Gather round, children. It's this time we talk... About Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn, Daddy Ass, one, uh, one third of the current trio's champions in AEW. Um, someone I have loved unironically, despite the fact that people think it should be ironic, uh, throughout my time here. We've talked at length about him and Viscera being possibly some of the worst King of the Rings in history. And yet, at this point in his career, he's part of the most overact. In In AEW history at the moment, I should say. So we'll talk about his post-King of the Ring run, his forties back and forward between WWE in the later 2000s and early 2010s, and of course now being part of AEW and being a champion there. But before we get started, um, just remember a massive back catalogue of previews, reviews, interviews and all the news. Xmas specials, Central, Saturday Draft lives, feature shows, so much more, previews, reviews, interviews and all the news. You can find it, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify and all good Android podcasting sites. And if you would like to tell us some of your favourite Billy Gunn memories, I know I'd like to tell you mine, then it's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it, we're on it. Um, so Gary, I was going to obviously bring us from 1999 onwards where Billy Gunn As a wrestler, as a manager, as a trainer, as a backstage agent, he's worn a lot of hats. But let's go back to 1995, where the first hat was a cowboy hat. As one half of the smoking gun, that's a segue. All right, I don't care what anyone says. One half of the smoking gun, Gary, you're a new generation child. What were your early memories of the man who would be Mr. Ass?
0: Oh, classic. well done, Mr. McLeod. And yeah, mm-hmm. it was, twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with hair and the hope that Billy Gunn would soon be there. And he <laughs> was, he was. In 1993, he arrived, his cowboy hat, mullet, and moustache with bark gun and their cap guns. And that was pretty sensational at the time. The, the smoking guns... Who debuted in WWF after a long series of Vignettes. Um, uh, um I can never pronounce that word correct, Ross? how do you say it properly? I
1: say I, I say it kind of French vignette.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's the way to do it. So they appeared <laughs> and when they were to come into the rings with the long coats and so on so on, and it can't be easy to wrestle in denims either. Um They'd have these cap guns that they'd shoot off and it was like, oh wow, because this was like pretty high production back in the early 90s. Um, and they they debuted with a bit of a splash in 1993. The tag division was not much to speak of then, uh, but they were booked strongly from the start. They would become tag team champions uh, in 1995. They would drop the belts to Yokozuna and Owen Hart and the This period of WWF was sort of full of of random tag teams as well, but they would win them back. Uh, And in 1996, which is kind of like a period for me in wrestling, because even though it wasn't great, but we got Sky TV in the house for the first time, so I was actually able to watch it much more (laughs) freely. Uh, And actually, Billy Gunn had just returned from an injury in early 96, and the tag team scene in, in 1996 was essentially the smoking guns the Godwins, the body Donors, Skip and Zip, uh, Chris Candino and Tom Pritchard, uh, managed by Sonny, and the tag team champions more often than not were Owen Hart and the British Bulldog. And it always annoyed me that Owen Hart and the Bulldog never got a tag team name. That, that, um, <laughs> but the Sonny would sort of leave the body Donors and start to flirt with Billy Gunn. And it was round right about... I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He dodged a the bullet there, um, and what would this is kind of like one of the first signs that you could see people, the 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 company sort of rallying behind Billy Gunn and the thought that actually he could be pushed on from this and become the breakaway single star of the team, and that's what would happen. He'd be flirting with uh, with Sunny they get distracted from the matches, they'd eventually lose the titles and that would lead to a split of the uh, smoking guns. Sadly, we were subjected to the feud that nobody wanted of Bart versus Billy at the time. But that would be the sort of early days of the smoking guns, which would then lead us into the rockabilly chapter (laughs) of his career. Again, something that nobody thought of or
1: wanted. (laughs) Yeah, we're going to skip by that but just a couple of wee notes obviously on the smoking guns um, they made their debut four days after I was born uh, May 17th 1993 Bart Gunn and Billy Gunn defeated Tony Vajja and Glenn Ruth Glenn Ruth, who would go on to be a hardcore and WWE tag team champion as Thrasher as one half of the headbangers there's a, a wee shit bit for you there but um We have done, on the podcast before, a rebooking of the 1999 King of the Ring pay-per-view because regardless of your thoughts on Billy Gunn, and I've always thought he was a very good wrestler, um, it was not a well-booked pay-per-view, it was not a well-booked run, and this was a, we we talked about the tag team division not being much to write home about um, in 1995 when the, sorry, 1993 when the Guns debuted, but, I mean, 1999, Vince Russo was doing his best here um, to break up every tag team and completely, um, completely ruin everything. Um, After winning the King of the Ring, you think, you know, let's put him into a big, a big match. No, the next match of Billy Gunn's career, after winning King of the Ring, the, the... the tournament that launched the careers of the likes of Owen Hart, Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H. It would go on to launch the careers of the likes of Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar. His uh, next feud was when Billy Gunn in China lost to X Pac and Road Dog and he matched for the DX Rights, a match where um, X Pac was wearing red. Road Dog was wearing a Road Dog shirt, and Billy Gunn and China were wearing DX merch. Um, it made no sense whatsoever. There was about as much thought into the ring attire as there was to this feud, and thankfully it only lasted one pay per view. And it it led to another. Well, brief-
0: just, just before you move on, we can't go through King of the Ring that quickly, Ross, because you, we we have to mention that in his run to win King of the Ring to become one of the worst ever King of the Rings ever. He beat in the qualifying for the King of the Ring on TV. He beat Viscera to qualify, and then obviously, then on the night you would go and beat Ken Shamrock, Kane, and X Pac, and as you said, we'd have this sort of uh, feud that wasn't up to much with uh, with the remaining members of, of DX.
1: Beyond that, but yeah, I had to squeeze in a Viscera reference there. For a reference, but see that's why I skipped by it just because the disrespect to the former King of the Rings such as Ken Shamrock and Viscera going out in the early rounds there. I mean, just <laughs> when robbers like Kane and X Pac are given semi and final matches, I think not. No, just, <laughs> just, just for Ken. And, and by the way, we, we're talking here. We're doing this uh, Billy Gun special because we thought it was quite funny how he's went from someone who. Was never never considered a breakout star to do anything outside of DX. And now in 2023, he's the only one still wrestling. He looks in the best shape, you know, medically enhanced or not. And he's part of one of the most overgroups in all of wrestling. And I thought it was weird because we were doing that in 2023. But then you've got um, a company that's not WWE selling 80,000 tickets at Wembley. You've got CM Punk back in WWE you've got TNA coming back, and recently Ken Shamrock himself has re-signed with WWE, so um, I think <laughs> when this was planned, it was the weirdest thing of 2023, now I, th- I don't think it makes top five, to be honest with you. <laughs> 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 um, a feud that lives in infamy for some uh, and is the feud between Billy Gunn and The Rock at SummerSlam. Oh God, the- this was a a feud here. It was a between Billy Gunn was quite literally between The Rock and a hard place because WWE had to stick or twist here. WWE had had The Rock lose to Stone Cold three times. He then was a loss to Undertaker at King of the Ring. He wasn't in about the title pitcher at this time, but he was still insanely over he was a solid second choice babyface behind stone cold steve austin at this time and they had to basically decide are we going to continue to push the rock and start the rebuild that leads to the rock being the top babyface when stone cold took a hiatus or are we going to back the king of the ring winner billy Gunn? and listen i know it's billy's show i know i'm a massive rock mark but I don't think anyone thinks WWE chose wrong at that time to go with The Rock beating Billy Gunn here. No, they, well, clearly they didn't didn't choose ro-
0: wrong, um, but surely there would have been a route to, to achieve that without damaging Billy Gunn, and this feud did Billy Gunn absolutely no favours. One of the reasons... There were a couple of... Something you said... Uh, I'm not a minute ago, Ross. I'm not sure I quite agree with it. There were a couple of times that Billy, that WWE tried to push Billy Gunn as a single star, and then realised it's not working, and then they would try again later. I think after the Xl, you know, the reason he won King of the Ring is they thought there was a potential there, but he didn't have the mic skills. And then you put him against one of the greatest talkers in the history <laughs> of the business. That's not doing him any favours. Um, you know that there's the promo where uh, The Rock, singing to the, the Billy Gunn theme tune, calls him, oh, I'm an asshole. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it sticks in, it's hard to get him off it. And then this this kiss my ass match where where Billy Gunn brings out under a, a blanket a, what JR refers to in commentary in that match is a large woman. And he loses the match essentially because he brings this woman into the ring with the idea he was going to shove The Rock's face into her ass and it gets turned around, and it's his face that goes in it. And then JR says in commentary, "Billy Gunn, face just be stuck in that large woman's ass." And JR <laughs> and the team comments to say, "I don't think it was the <laughs> the people's elbow that beat the <laughs> that beat Billy Gunn tonight. <laughs> it was just a." It was a lose-lose situation for for Billy Gunn, and after this, he ends up going back into the New Age Outlaws and eventually back into DX. So it was a, a quickly abandoned singles push for for our, for her man. And also, yeah. I, I I also <laughs> wonder when he became badass, Billy Gunn. Why was it bad with
1: two Ds? Maybe just so they could trademark it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like when people do things with a Z instead of an S, it's just to trademark and to look, make them look cool with the kids. Um, yeah, one of the things, uh, there was an interview with Chris Van VanVillet uh, where Billy Gunn discusses the infamous promo, the, on Sunday Night Heat, the Bob. But my name's Billy. It doesn't matter what your name is. Yeah. He thought that many people thought, eh, sorry, eh, Chris Van Vliet said, many people thought that was you being buried. How do you react to it? And he just went, no, I'm still friends with The Rock. I knew what The Rock's shtick was. It was going out and making fun of, the, of the, uh, the heel. Or if it was a heel, he'd make fun of the baby face. He talked trash. We had a match. He goes, I don't think that's the reason my singles run didn't work out. And well, it might not have been why the singles run didn't work out, as you mentioned, putting him up against someone who's a much bigger star and much better on the mic kind of exposed him pretty much early on in this run. A couple of failed runs at the IC title, uh, which yeah. would be a uh, theme for the, the badass era of uh, Billy Gunn. Um, However, he does in September 1989, as you mentioned, reunite with uh, the Outlaws, who reunite with X Pack and Triple H to form a much more heel version of uh, Degeneration X, going up against the McMahon Helmsley fa- uh, faction. Uh, sorry, the McMahon Helmsley. Fa- the McMahon family. Jesus Christ, there's so many interluding storylines. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> I know. Too much, so. There's too much eggnog being drank on this show. I know. I know the jingle, The Jingle Bell. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Rockabilly needs to stop. Okay, so <laughs> they go up as heels against the McMahon family uh, in a in an era that sees Vince McMahon become WWE champion. Uh, the Outlaws win the the tag titles back uh, from the Rock and Rock. They win the tag titles again from Mankind and Al Snow. Uh, they hold these titles until. February of 2001, where they lose them to the... Sorry, 2000, where they lose them to the Dudley Boys. And this was when we were sort of seeing the the fizzling out of the first sort of era of DX, because they joined the McMahon-Helmsley faction when Stephanie turned on Vince and joined Triple H. And D-Generation X, who were the, the rallying against the authority, had now came the authority... And, you know, we see it in 2015, we see it in 2000, Triple H and Stephanie at the helm and the people around them just kind of suffer because of it due to maybe a bit of overexposure. Um, And this sort of scene, a sad fizzling out of DX, as I mentioned, Billy Gunn being kicked out of DX for, quote-unquote, losing his cool in February of 2000. That was to explain a torn rotator cuff. uh, And he would be out until October of that year, he basically he missed the m- big majority of the of the rock going up against the McMahon Helmsley regime. And by the time he came back it was a much different landscape. Um what were your thoughts watching at the time Billy Gunn disappearing? Were you sad to see him go or were you just kind of waiting for a McMahon Helmsley version of DX to end?
0: Yeah, I mean the McMahon Hemsley era, as far as I was concerned, is not a high point in WWE history. I didn't enjoy watching a lot of it at the time, um, so um, so I don't recall being like at the time being totally gutted that he'd gone away for a little while. Um, I always believed that I always. I was always a big fan of Billy Guns and I thought he had potential, massive potential so I was quite disappointed when he didn't sort of become the breakaway star, but when he returned um, he went into this, he returns to support China to compete against the right to censor um, who I think, to be fair to them, were effective at what they'd done but it, I don't think it was an, a gimmick that people enjoyed <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, I was also a big fan of Stevie Richards, so I was a bit gutted He never got a chance to show what he could really do in WWE, but it, they then fought over the rights to the Mister Ass name, um, which he would lose to the right to censor. They wanted to get rid of the uh, Mister Ass and feel it was uh, PG, and he becomes the one belly gun. And I think you you. you he was, I think his timing is incredibly unfortunate here, Ross, because he comes back at a time where there's a lot going on, and uh, we're about to get the purchase of WCW, and a an inf- huge influx of talent, and he kind of just mm-hmm. gets lost in the shuffle here a little bit, and ironically, the thing that will help him get out of that shuffle is one of those stars that come over from WCW who also get lost in the the shuffle at, at the time. But yeah, I think he's uh, he gets a bit just get, gets a bit lost during the whole invasion angle. The only thing of note I can remember him doing is fighting on the invasion pay per view in a six man match, which was kind of thrown together with um, it's a big show and testy teams with.
1: Can't remember exactly. It's he was called the the Shoguns when Wrestle was right there. Anyway, um, I mean, you, you mentioned the the return uh, helping China who was in that feud with uh, right to censor at the time, uh, which would lead to China winning the uh, women's title at WrestleMania the next year. Um, he does lose the Mister Right rights ass. Uh, <laughs> right Mister ass, Jesus Christ! <laughs> right, see you next year. No eggnog, no hooch, no anything at the Christmas party, okay? No, no, no pre-show pints. Do you want no you just pass me to
0: just pass me the notes and I'll host?
1: <laughs> it's charming that <laughs> you think I have notes. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we He loses the rights to Mr. Ass on the Halloween episode of Monday Night Raw in 2000. However... That's not all he's got. I mean, you look at all he's got. Look, everything God you wanted, God gave it all to him. He's the one. He's got it all, as the theme song said. To a, a banging sax solo, as the one belly gun is born. Um, uh, I've got a sort of mini DX reunion at Survival Series against the radicals, Road Dog, China Belly Gun, and uh, hey, another guy who is still as over as ever in two thousand three, uh, two thousand twenty three. K-Quick, R-Truth <laughs> uh, that as well um, the next time Billy Gunn finally won the IC title he uh, he defeated uh, Eddie Guerrero in a November episode of Smackdown uh, two weeks later over at Armageddon he loses the title to Chris Benoit uh, he gets to the final four of the Royal Rumble uh, alongside The Rock Kane and Stone Steve Austin um, I think we can all agree Billy Gunn clearly one of the top four people in that final four (laughs) (laughs) one of them does not look quite right (laughs) one of these things just doesn't belong here Um, and he had a short hardcore title run uh, winning the title at No Way Out before being pinned backstage by Raven on the same night but as you mentioned the Alliance, his timing was so unfortunate because he comes back the the Rock has taken the mantle as the top babyface at the time, Stone Cold's coming back, so no, there's now not a one and two. There is two number ones. There is now Undertaker's back. Kurt Angle is over as anything as a heel. Kane's there, Chris Jericho's there, Triple H is there. You've had the likes of uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit come over from WCW prior, uh, And then the massive influx of talent, You know, people like Booker T, Rob Van Dam, coming over in The Invasion. He does get thrown into a lot of makeshift teams. Um, He was on the original Invasion pay-per-view in that six-man tag match you mentioned. The Shoguns did a lot of nothing. Uh, Billy Gunn was involved in a Battle Royal uh, Survivor Series, which he didn't win. And that was pretty much it until an episode of Sunday Night Heat in 2001. God, remember that? Uh, (laughs) Billy Gunn loses uh, a match to Chuck Palumbo who had recently left the Alliance to join WWF. After the match, Gunn suggests that they form a tag team. Uh, Plumbo agreed, and him and Billy created this team that um, maybe doesn't stand the test of time very well, um, sensitivity-wise. Billy and Chuck, um, in almost a, they're gay, but we're not saying they're gay, sort of way. The way that in 1970s and 80s films, the gay person was meant to live with their friend that's kind of the way this was put across but from december 2001 to february 20 uh, 2002 billy and chuck rose up the tag team ranks and they defeat the makeshift team of spike dudley and taz to win the WWF tag team championships after this they had their personal stylist rico Uh this is just like an acid this is just like an acid trip isn't it it was um oh no it was after this oh god there's so much in this so for a while they had the the ambiguous thing they even got a big win at wrestlemania um billy Gunn t- tends to have his biggest wrestlemania matches as a tag team partner um three of the biggest teams of the uh, the actually era the apa the dudley boys and the hardy boys they defeated them in a four corners elimination match at Wrestlemania 18 they then defeat the makeshift team of Al Snow and Maven at Backlash before beginning a two on one feud against Rikishi at Judgment Day Rikishi and Rico despite Rico's best efforts managed to win the tag team titles for Billy and Chuck Um, Billy and Gunn win the titles back two weeks later with the help of Rico And they hold them for a month before, and again, this acid trip continues. They lost the titles to the team of Edge and Hulk Hogan on the (laughs) July 4th episode of SmackDown. Because nothing quite says America like Hulk Hogan and his Canadian partner. (laughs) What what, what One, (laughs) absolutely. There's so much of the Attitude Era that, like, I had to like, watch some videos and read his Wikipedia page before this because it was it, it was so weird, the attitude here. That there's so much that happens that is so well-remembered to this day, and then the stuff that happens, you're like, I forgot that happened. Oh, my it's, God.
0: It's amazing, Ross. Like The first 10 years of his WWE career, I was able to do my reception prep in a, in a relatively short period of time. This
1: period takes hours to do. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, However, um, after losing the tag titles uh, on July 4th, they kind of just hung about for a bit. um, On September 5th, uh, the September 5th edition of SmackDown, Billy loses a match to the recently debuted Rey Mysterio. After the match, Chuck proposed to Billy, asking him to be his partner for life, and gave him a wedding ring. Billy agreed, and one week later, on the September 12th episode of Smackdown, Billy and Chuck had their on-screen wedding ceremony. However, just before they were about to tie their knot, it was revealed the entire ordeal was a publicity stunt, and they disavowed their on-screen homosexuality, admitting they were just friends. However, this would <laughs> be quickly forgot because Jesus Christ, this is a fever dream. The preacher revealed himself to be general oh. of Raw, Eric Bischoff.
0: I love this segment, Ross. This was the, the Eric Bischoff part of this segment is unbelievably good. If anybody listening to this that ha- has not seen it, go and watch it. It is a masterclass performance from Bischoff. I heard them at the Inside the Ropes live show recently tell the story again. And it is just a sensational performance from this show. Obviously, this angle, and they'll not follow through with the wedding, uh, and the way that Billy and Gutt, uh, Chuck sorry, say you know, we're not gay, not that there's anything wrong with that, uh, nod to Seinfeld, Uh, got WWE an awful lot of bad publicity at the time. Some of the LGBT uh, groups uh, and organisations in the United States um, spoke out about it, how actually if they had gone through with this and they had actually been an openly gay tag team, actually that would have been an incredibly positive thing to do. But the way they handled it was was not, but the Bischoff performance, my goodness, uh, was brilliant. Uh, at the time, he obviously had the, he- he had the heavies of the, the three-minute warning, but Bischoff says he, WWE months before this, sent him off to see a makeup artist, uh, visual effects, special effects person in Los Angeles, and he got fitted for this face mask. And then a couple of months passed, didn't hear anything for it and then gets told, so he turns up at, uh, that they were going to do this, so he turns up at Smackdown with the the, the regalia on and spends the day in costume with people not knowing, that, generally not knowing that it was him doing it, um, and he, he does a fabulous performance and then as it starts to un- fall apart, when because wrestling weddings never goes to plan anyway, oh. uh, the, what, the only difference with this one, there was no cake in the ring, Um <laughs> so they start arguing they say they're not they say they're not going to get married they're not gay and the minister's freaking out at this point saying this isn't on your love is sacred doesn't matter for how long it is 15 years 10 years uh, blah 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 and even three minutes and then Bishop says did I just say three minutes and he rips the mask off and everybody's shocked in the arena the pop is sensational and then Jamal and Rosie three-minute warning appear and uh, beat people down. Um it is a utterly it's a fabulous uh, performance from Bischoff. It's a moment that goes down in sort of history, but the follow-up from it's less than ideal for Billy and Chuck. Yes. Um I'm just checking
1: here, just quick, I think it was Harley Race. It was either Harley Race or um or Buddy Rogers, it was somebody um, with a very high esteem and note. And this was around about the time Bischoff came in, and it was very clear he was working for WWE, but he still had resentment for them because of uh, the WCW era. And he was like showing no respect to WWE legends. And I remember, see the three minute warning thing? I thought they were great. I thought they were great heavies. They were terrified. Yeah. They were massive. The future, Rosie, and the future, Umaga, um, absolutely sensational. And the fact that, um, like, he would go into the ring and it'd be like May Young one week, and then next week it would be like Harley Race, and it's like you've got three minutes to get out of my ring, and the music would happen to be like oh my. They and are and King on Raw were always amazing with that commentary, just like yeah, no, don't you because. King, as as good as he was always as a heel, he always had that moral compass where it was like, no, no, this is beyond the pale, but we're not doing this. I I always loved that. And the three-minute warning come out to beat up Billy and Chuck. Uh, They're now managed by Rico, who was furious that Billy and Chuck uh, weren't actually gay. (laughs) And Unforgiven in a Raw versus SmackDown match at the start of that brand split era. Uh, Three-minute warning, defeat Billy and Chuck quite handily. Um, I remember that being the opening match of the show. Um, just checking just now. Three-minute warning, six minutes and 38 seconds. Aye, that was <laughs> quite a, quite a, a weird uh, show, this one. Sorry, I'm just looking at... Uh, Rey Mysterio versus Chavo. You'll, you'll never, ever see that in the WWF pay-per-view again, will you? Um, <laughs> the team that screams America, Kane, Goldust, Booker T and Bubba Dudley defeating the un-Americans of Landstorm Christian, William Regal and Test. Um, and <laughs> and Ric Flair uh, get six minutes to wrestle over the IC title. Eddie Guerrero and Edge, um, Triple H versus Rob Van Dam. Trish Stratton defeats Molly Holly. Uh, Benoit versus Angle and Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker ending in a double disqualification Uh what a time to be alive eh? Um, but yeah (laughs) um, they're beaten there their final match occurs a few weeks later on October 3rd uh, the first round of the tag title tournament one of the only actual teams in the tournament and they're eliminated by Ron Simmons and Devon uh, Gunn then takes a few months off because of a shoulder injury and Billy and Chuck just quietly go the way of the dodo, which is a wee bit upsetting considering th- they do still have an impact. You know, They are still remembered around about that time and they were one of the few tag teams that stuck together in that time in the year of the brand slip.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate the way that this run comes to an end for them because you know ninety what we nineteen ninety three through to two thousand and three so uh, yeah so literally you know two thousand four so twenty one years. Uh, so much in this this run, so many highs, so many title victories, unprecedented success at this point with the tag titles, and it just sort of. Sadly, fizzles fizzles out for him. Obviously, you started to see, particularly in the later period, a lot of a lot of injuries. But I felt the, um, I think they were done. Him and Chuck were done hard. Uh, done were unlucky uh, with the the post Billy and Chuck booking because that was that was building started from nothing, built organically. Uh, had this big payoff moment. Now we can, you know, can debate the taste of some of it, um, but it's a the d- different era, and it certainly doesn't stand uh, the test of time. But I think they were, I think they were, I think they were really unlucky that there was no plan for them post post the wedding.
1: No, nah, I don't think so. I think that was a a last gasp desperation attempt at some publicity with them, but. At the same time, you mentioned, obviously, the the organisations that were outraged. They were very... Um, they were very complimentary towards WWE when they thought, oh, they're breaking down stereotypes and, you know, in an era where a lot of shows, like, you know, the, the likes of Sex and the City and all that had the, the gay best friend thing. They, they They were getting praise here and... We talk about uh, Vince McMahon not being able to get out of his own way sometimes. Oh. Surely common sense should have prevailed when they saw the outcry of support they got. like, ah, maybe the thing we're going out with here is um, it's not a <laughs> it's not a very good thing to do. But they did it anyway. It lives in infamy. Uh, injuries start to take the toll as you mentioned. It returns in the summer of two thousand and three. Uh, reverting to the Mr Ass gimmick Clearly he must have won it back in a lawsuit or something <laughs> 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 He defeats A-Train And gets Tory Wilson as his manager Oh sorry, to- I forgot all about this Section Ross, I've got it in my notes as well
0: um, I totally forgot about this I just jumped straight to him getting, getting his P45, sorry oh, By the way. <laughs> There was one good bit in this run We uh, Such a random Feud with Jamie Noble when they have the indecent proposal match, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. if uh, if Noble won, he gets to have
1: <laughs> have a night with <laughs> with Tory, and he did win. He did win. Yeah, uh, these. Um, I mean, there was so many of these in this era. That said the women as the prize. There was the, the X Pac Kane feud where X Pac wins uh, an evening with Tory. There was the Terry Invitational Tournament. I'll let you spell out those initials on your own. Uh, but say that again so I can. Cherry, so C. No, no, Terry. I, oh, no, Terry. No, Terry Invitational Tournament.
0: C, I. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, oh. Oh. That's why. Um, like,
1: Who's Cherry? Was she she was just in Domino. Yes, the Cherry Lane Invitational Tournament will not say anything about, um, <laughs> but you can. Um, <laughs> the penny just dropped there. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I uh, credit for credit. I didn't think you'd be that quick. Oh, <laughs> trust me, I really like am that quick. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we, we we had um. God, this was prior to as well the uh, the Death to Us part match with X-Pac, uh, sorry with Kane and Kane fights for a lot of women. Kane, yeah. Matt Harvey where the winner would get to marry Lita. Lita apparently gets no say in the matter. Um, but yeah, that was um, th- th- this was an odd era you know, where, where women were used as prizes like they were on game shows. Um But yeah, Noble wins the match, Uh, Billy Gunn's injured again, so there's no follow-up, he returns in the 2004 Royal Rumble, uh, eliminated by Goldberg, who Gorilla Press slams him, and I thought that was amazing, by the way, It was, but also, like, the guy's just come back
0: from, was it another shoulder injury? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not the best idea
1: to throw him out that
0: way, but yeah, you're quite right, it was pretty impressive.
1: Um, he wrestled on Velocity and for those of you that are too young to remember what that is, it's kind of like AEW Dark. Um, he wrestled on Velocity for months, um, forming a tag team with Hardcore Holly. Uh, apparently they did enough on Velocity because at Judgment Day, Holly and Gunn teamed up against Charlie Haas and his former stylist Rico. For the WWE Tag Team Championships, but were unsuccessful. In the singles match at the Great American Bash against Kenzo Suzuki, Jesus Christ, remember him? Oh, God, Um, yeah. By the way,
0: SmackDown was dug Meat at that time.
1: I see the new way Skype is now. It used to always say recording, like at the top of the screen. And I hit record. And at one point, I noticed because they don't do this anymore, it's not on top of the screen. And I panicked. Because if I'm talking about K. Quick, Headbanger Mosh and Charlie Haas and Rico, I want to make sure that this bloody thing's recording. <laughs> Thankfully it was, but I get the absolute fright of my life. Um, he then released from his WWE contract on November 1st, 2004. Uh, in June 2005, uh, he gave an he gave a heavily critical interview of WWE and the events that led to his release. Many negative comments directed towards Triple H, who Billy Gunn claimed runs the show up there. In other news, water is wet. Um, <laughs> it's a problem in Billy Gunn's life where, personal-wise, he... Um, Personal-life-wise, he wasn't in the best place. He had a lot of um, drug and alcohol issues that would... Um, Hinder is running TNA, uh, which we're going to talk about briefly. Um, Gary, you've had many family holidays in Florida. I imagine you've seen about eight hundred um, Impact Wrestling matches with Billy Gunn. Well, the great—I meant
0: um, so uh, the Impact Zone. You could get into the shows for free if you were at Universal Studios. So, on a couple of occasions on holiday in Florida, made sure I went to. TNA that, they uh, went to the theme park that day, rode the roller coasters, dragged my my poor now wife Claire in to see T- TNA and they would film like about 19 episodes of the show in one sitting and they would do all sorts of things to try and get people to stay, like if you stay to the end you get a free t-shirt the wrestlers would come out and do meets and greets and I remember we'd been in there for ages and Claire's like can we just fucking go uh, so we go go to leave, and we go to walk outside, and it is absolutely chucking it of rain like a, a tropical storm was passing over us. So, oh well, I guess we need to go back inside and stay and get our free T-shirt, honey. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, I mean one of the things about this run is obviously he comes in, it very quickly ends up in the tag team with his with his old stomping buddy, uh, the Road Dog, again. And we end up with the Voodoo Kin Mafia. And there's a period of time, you even see it to this day with folk as well, where they keep having pot shots back, like the VKM. I just thought it was unnecessary. It's cheap and tacky. As I mentioned, he'd had a 21-year run with WWF. Probably made an awful, awful lot of money being supported through various injuries, clearly has his own demons going on, but you're not, dude, you're not doing yourself any favours with some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, that the, seems to be the, the go-to sort of promo when people leave is, I didn't get my opportunity there, but that's sports entertainment, I'm a wrestler, and the crowd will go, ah despite the fact that WWE is the biggest wrestling company in the world, and if you offer them a free ticket to WrestleMania, I don't think many of them would say no. No, Um, definitely not. And of course, you would have um, (laughs) what would you call it? You'll have the uh, I didn't get my opportunity, and then after about three months you're probably like, yeah, I can see why. But um, (laughs) as a reference to uh, Vincent K. McMahon um, Kip, Kip declared on TV that Triple Hollywood and Sean Kiss My Bottom were failing as the group uh, they used to be part of DX in fairness 2006 DX wasn't great but it looked like time compared to this going on in Impact Wrestling at the time um, <laughs> but yeah it just it kind of just it fizzled out, it didn't really get started to fizzle out, but it's, they never won the TNA tag titles, they they were never anything big there Triple H, Triple H, Billy Gunn goes on to be the um the mega star <laughs> um similar to his one gimmick um, he then gets attacked by backstage by Matt Morgan, um Multiple times. They then have a feud, but he loses it. He then becomes the image consultant and a member of the Beautiful People. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: yeah, T- tell me you're scraping a barrel without telling me you're scraping a barrel.
1: He goes from being the. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, him, Angelina Love and Velvet Sky lost to Rhino, ODB and Khan in a bimbo brawl at Final Resolution in December of 2008. Uh, by the way, time of recording, Impact Wrestling had a Final Resolution uh, last night, and I can assure you, without watching that yet and watching this, that that one was much better. <laughs> 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 no bimbo brawl, but Zack Saber Junior's on it, so you know, make your call. <laughs> He goes from being in a bimbo brawl match to being, the next month, the one-night-only replacement in the Main Event Mafia for Kevin Nash. How can you be the Main Event Mafia if you've never been in the Main Event? <laughs> oh. He then he leaves He leaves Impact on December 29th of 2009, confirming his departure from his motion on his Twitter page. Not a fond run. And we mentioned how we could sum up the first ten years of his company uh with, you know it was almost like a pamphlet, the first five minutes of this. This could have been a tweet. Um this run.
0: I know. Um obviously he goes on and there's a does a run in the independence following this for a a couple of couple of years. But yeah, it's a it's a wild ride, isn't it? It really is a wild wild right? i don't know what to say i can't offer any analysis of, <laughs> any meaningful analysis of it. Oh,
1: um they didn't they'll come back to wwe and kind of wash some of that stink off they were best known as members of dx they come back to wwe uh, for raw 1000 and mm-hmm. uh, Billy Gunn uh, and Road Dogg make their first WWE appearances in nearly eight years as they United with uh, X-Pac, Shawn Michaels, and Triple H to reform DX. Uh, in December 2012, he was hired as a trainer for the NXT promotion. Uh, and I think that, that was a, a good thing for him. We got him back in the fold. A lot of people talk about how around uh, about this time, Billy Gunn's personal life was getting clean, uh, getting off alcohol and uh, recreational drugs. And this was good. It got him into got him clean, and got someone who does have a lot to offer as a trainer uh, in the developmental system, and someone who a lot of people from the early sections of NXT talk quite highly about.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This worked out really well for him. So not only is he, you know, he's back
0: in the back in the the family, if you like. He's getting these odd appearances on Raw. He would come on to do uh, Raw One Thousand. mentioned come on to do old school Raw in the future, and he gets this really good job training for NXT. I mean, there are worse places in the world to go and work, and there's worse jobs to do than being a a fitness wrestling trainer in Orlando. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty good gig he's got. He's got here, and WWE would use him on Tough Enough. Uh, and uh, in the coming period as well. So clearly, there were skills and talents that they recognised there. That he this I don't. This doesn't strike me as a a sympathy job. This is a job that strikes me that that he was rated at. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: And he um, has two matches in WWE in 2013. Uh, sorry, in 2012. Uh, no, 2013. Jesus Christ! Easy for me to say. <laughs> They return on the old-school Raw uh, to defeat Primo and Epico. The next week, they begin a short feud with the Road Scholars. However, due to Brock Lesnar's ongoing feud with Triple H, he battles both uh, Outlaws during the match. Mm -hmm. Um, However, he starts teaming with CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk and the Outlaws helped clear out The Shield, who were trying to attack Roddy Piper on an old-school Raw on January 6, 2014. Uh, On the January 10th episode of Smackdown, the Outlaws and CM Punk uh, go up against The Shield in a losing effort. Uh, The Outlaws teamed with Punk again on Raw, only to abandon him to join the authority and become the corporate Outlaws (laughs) during the Royal Rumble. Billy Gunn and Road Dogg get a tag team title run. Uh, they defeat Goldust, who's also in a, a sort of second wind hurrah run with the company. Uh, they defeat Cody Rhodes and Goldust to win the WWE Tag Team Championships. Uh, they retained the title the next night uh, against Rhodes and Goldust. They then retained against Rhodes and Goldust again in a steel cage match before losing the tag titles to the Usos, the night after they defeated them at the Elimination Chamber. Um, What happened to some of
0: these people we're mentioning here, Ross? This CM Punk, this Cody Rhodes character,
1: the the Usos? What would happen to those guys? Well, I don't know what happened to that CM Punk fella, but Billy Gunn does have the honour of being the last singles match that um, CM Punk had in WWE. So, I mean, clearly... CM Punk ran because he was scared to fight Billy Gunn again, that's clearly I I remember Um, that being part of the Gold Cabana podcast Um, but uh, he shot shot WWE tag title run that had four defences and a Wrestlemania match as the New Age Outlaws team with fellow authority member Kane to take on The Shield at Wrestlemania 30 Um, Billy Gunn was then removed from TV after he suffered a concussion during the match he was off TV until January 15th when the Ascension... Ah, uh, remember they had promised. Um, oh, yes. Uh-huh. Only to be attacked by DX, the NWO and the APA. The Outlaws then faced the Ascension in a losing effort at, um, at the Royal Rumble. He was part of the WrestleMania 31 match between Sting and Triple H. And as you mentioned, he then became a coach on the sixth season of Tough Enough. Unfortunately, he left the left the promotion under dubious circumstances on November 13, 2015. WWE announced that uh, Billy Gunn was released from his WWE contract after failing a test for a performing enhancing drug. He he was nine times above the accepted level of <sighs> testosterone, which uh, this, was a, this was a powerlifting event where he failed the test and WWE just said, Yeah, if you're doing that, we can't have you here. He was suspended from powerlifting for four years and left the WWE at that time. Um weirdly enough, um, and I mean I don't want to say that um it's all down to him. I know people talk about the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but I mean, I started watching New Japan in twenty sixteen again because Billy Gunn was there. <laughs> This is the sort of thing. There's so many. One of the reasons I love doing shows that
0: listen. We did a, a profile show not too long ago with um, about Roddy Piper. The team have just done one on Rio Ripley. One of the great things when you do these look back shows is there's things that you maybe forgot about or your mem. You remember them different to how they actually happened, and it can be quite good for for doing that and pulling some things out. And I did not know before. Or I had totally forgot that Billy Gunn was part of New Japan. And we need to get our East meets West colleagues and our resident expert, David Campbell, to give us a a proper rundown in their next monthly show.
1: I mean, Scott and Grant are claiming there's this thing called Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th and that they want to talk about that. I think we should get the real expert, David Campbell to tell us all about when Tanahashi found Billy Gunn for the IWGP and i got an old title. Um, and no, I didn't read that off Wikipedia. Um, I think fun things like that should be discussed, but who am I? Who am I but a man that loves Billy Gunn? Um, his final appearances in WWE, uh, the 25 year celebration of Raw. He appeared as part of the DX reunion. Um he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2019 as member of DX. It was around about this time he had signed for AEW where Triple H said I'm sure Vince will buy that pissant company soon. Mm. And obviously WWE, uh, a deal
0: had to be done to arrange for Billy Gunn to be able to appear uh, at, the, at the Hall of Fame to receive, his, uh, receive
1: that recognition. I think think, um, AEW at the time couldn't not let him be there I think a bit of dirty play with um, uh, from WWE because they knew he had signed with them but I think AEW was in its infancy I don't think they wanted to get involved in a pissing contest yeah, it's quite quite
0: an interesting Hall of Fame he goes in with. So he goes in with the Heart Foundation, Brett the Hitman Heart, Jim the Anvil Night Heart, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes, that Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Uh, Harlem Heat.
1: Oh, no. The Booty Man and the Ass Man in the one Hall of Fame.
0: Well, and the next two names I was going to mention both have points in his career. So the Honky Tonk Man, his former Tof. mentor, and Tori Wilson, his former love interest on SmackDown <laughs> for a period
1: the billy gunn hall of fame would have thought
0: Uh, it's like the year that hulk hogan went in and he got all of his pals in
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't think his influence uh, got quite as far as the nasty boys but you know (laughs) also oh do you know what i love about that that class um is that not the year Bret hart goes in as well Bret Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, so
0: it's just after the
1: Anvil had died and it's No, the, no, I'm the, about the, Hogan, when Hogan goes in, in, is it 2005, does Bret Hart not go in at the same time? No, Bret was, uh, was later, Was uh, no, because Bret was the headline of his class. Cause I remember Hulk being in the crowd and uh, there was the line, Hulk was causing trouble, as usual. And it just pans right in on Hulk Hogan. Everyone's like, oh! Um, but, uh, I mean, I wouldn't describe Hulk Hogan's class as being all of his pals. Iron Sheik had a 20-minute speech and he spent 19 minutes calling Hulk Hogan an arsehole. A uh, jabroni Hulk Hogan.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh, the Iron jabroni. Sheik. I missed Iron, Sh- I missed Iron Sheik on Twitter, where really, you so uh, fuck Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> My... Uh, my favourite band's The Killers, and I just remember waking up one morning, and it was about ten years after the song "Human" had came out, and Billy uh, Billy Gunn, um, Iron Sheik was on Twitter. Are we human or are we dancer? What the fuck that mean? At The Killers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love how the Iron Sheik tweets with an exact accent as well. I <laughs> know. You can't read these tweets without thinking of that legendary voice. Oh. but yes so yeah, an interesting class and just you say he's it now, part of the AEW and you know Ross, if you were to have said to me at any point like in 2023 we would be uh, running around Wembley Stadium scissoring security guards celebrating <laughs> a, Billy, a daddy ass victory I would not have believed you I would have tried to sell you some um, some magic
1: seats. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, uh, round about summer of 2002, because at the start of his AEW career, it is mostly um, he's part of Cody Rhodes' team, he's part of Rhodes' sort of inner circle. This was something um, we talked about Cody Rhodes' AEW run being a bit over the top. Because he had the Bullet Club, but then he had the Rhodes Brothers, but then he had his sort of in a circle of like Diamond Dallas Page, Cootie Marshall, Billy Gunn. Um, he's involved in a lot of those feuds. He wrestles with his oldest son, um, Colton. I think Colton's the oldest. I don't know. Aye, uh, oh, Sorry I'm just looking. Oh, so you're talking after after we were talking about
0: Cody Rhodes, there. <laughs>
1: I did think was that old Um, I bloody lost the bloody thing I had for the gun club here anyway so he wrestles with the oldest son Jesus Uh, Colton and Austin that's their names but he he, he was teaming uh, with his sons then was sort of a manager at the time and uh, in the summer of two thousand twenty-two, um, Bowens and uh, Max Caster of the Acclaimed started affectionately discuss uh, calling him "Daddy Ass" because uh, the Gun Club were getting called the "Ass Boys" by people. Okay. And this sort of started a fun, a fun series of tweets where you would see see the the guns and the Acclaimed in certain situations. And Billy Gunn would come to the Acclaimed rescue, while leaving the the guns to fend for themselves. So there's there's a, a, a Twitter video of him getting the Acclaimed ice cream, while telling them <laughs> <laughs> to go get their own. There's a there's a video from passed out after a night out, where he tucks the Acclaimed in, and then just sticks the finger up at his boys and walks out and leaves them. Um, so there's there's all that and. Uh, Colton Gunn was who he was teaming with by the way, Colton not Austin however the gun Club would come to an end when his sons turned on him and joined Stokely Hathaway um, but the acclaimed would come to his aid and the Gunn would officially start managing the duel um, and on September 21st 2022 at the Dynamite Grand Slam the acclaimed would win the AEW Tag Team Championships with Billy Gunn in their corner, and just a fun moment to see Billy Gunn as part of a, an over is anything duo, uh, getting a sort of uh, an Indian summer in his career. Yeah, I mean this is this is just super um, and a
0: super way to to finish his career. I mean, he, and also. He's, in, he's just in totally phenomenal phenomenal shape as well. So this just feels like to me like a really nice way to finish what has been, I know we've poked some fun and had a bit of a joke as we go through this, but to be more serious for a moment, he was a two-time WWF hardcore champion, one-time Intercontinental champion, 11-time tag team champion in WWE. He won the King of the Ring, inducted into the Hall of Fame, I remember the Raw Ball that he won back in the oh, yeah. the late the mid nineties as well, um, and of course, current trios champion in AEW. This man's had a tremendous tremendous career, and mm. it's it's nice that he's
1: getting this, as you said, this Indian summer to finish to finish it on. Uh, the Acclaimed would hold the title for 140 days Before losing the tag titles To the Guns on an episode of Dynamite Championship Fight Night uh, On February 8th of 2023 However We we didn't think we were going to get that Wembley Match um, No he was a tease wasn't he He was a he massive was a tease. tease Teasing us with that ass As um, the, the House of Black Defeated on an episode of Collision uh, The Gun and The Acclaimed <laughs> excuse me, retaining the E.W. World Trios Championships. Uh, And it was after this that Billy Gunn took his boots off and it looked like he was going to retire, only to return a few weeks later and say, Wembley, us versus you, let's get it on. And maybe he used those words, I don't remember. But (laughs) in front of 80,000 people, Billy Gunn and the acclaimed won the AEW World Trios Championships from the House of Black, and he House Rules No Hold Bars match. They're still the champions at this point in time. They're probably, along with Orange Cassidy, probably got the most defences of any championship holder in the history of AEW, because I remember there was a week where they defended the title about three times, so... Uh I'm glad that he's getting this Indian summer. I'm glad that he is, as we mentioned earlier with NXT and how people still speak so highly of him, he's been able to pass on to the likes of Max Caster and Anthony Bowens like information that they would never have access to anywhere else. You know, Bowens is only 32. Billy Gunn's been wrestling for 30 years. <laughs> Max Caster is, is 34. So... Two guys who were only infants when Billy Gunn's wrestling career began and now they're sitting under that learning tree. So brilliant to see so much passed on. And you know what? It's brilliant to see Billy Gunn getting that that push because we talked about how he works better in a tag team. And AEW, to their credit, is there's still a place for Billy Gunn, even at 60 in the wrestling world today, and they have capitalised on that absolutely beautifully while enhancing the acclaimed as opposed to Billy Gunn overshadowing them. Yeah, correct, correct. <coughs> and it's, uh, it's... You know, wrestling's full
0: of these random things that should never have worked, but they did, and this is totally one of them. It's just been sensational.
1: Exactly. And... One of the things that shouldn't have worked but has is this Xmas special that we are doing today, talking about the the fall and rise <laughs> of Billy Gunn, from flop King of the Ring to ten minute hardcore champion, personal demons, getting over that NXT trainer Hall of Famer. AEW coach and now an AEW champion. Long may it continue, and hopefully Billy Gunn gets to ride this out as long as Billy Gunn wants to ride this out. We're going to wrap things up here on our Christmas special, but over the festive period, Central will be taking a bit of a break. You might have noticed not as much Central on the feed. That's because we have a massive back, ca- massive amount of shows coming out that will be added to our back catalogue. Just recently, the Rhea Ripley special. Was launched with the uh, the debuting Matt Smith, boo! The return <laughs> of, um, of the cloud. Uh, Who else was on the show? Scott, Sarah, Matt. Just my hatred for my hatred for your best friend has um, really just overshadowed everything about it. Sorry. Oh,
0: Chris Murray wasn't on that show. Though. I <laughs> no. Um so no, um, check that one out. And of course, we're going to um, follow this this up with
1: our top 10 of 2023, Ross. Our top 10 of 2023, yes. I'm just actually going to get a wee, a wee teaser for you because that'll be the next show released after this one. And we'll be talking about this on Central, but I'll give you a wee preview here. We are going to be talking about our top 10 lists for the men and women of... Twenty uh, of twenty twenty three. Would you like a wee preview of fifteen to eleven? Yes, I would, Ross. Fifteen to eleven. Okay. Well, the men's fifteen to eleven. Uh, Brian Danielson at fifteen. CM oh, Punk. You, Somebody's going to get fined for that. Mm hmm. CM Punk at fourteen. I wonder if that would have if this was maybe a week later. He might have been a bit higher. Uh, Thirteen. Dominic Mysterio. Oh, that's, that's controversial. I don't agree with that one personally, but I'll get into that later. 12, Damien Priest, and 11, John Moxley. Um, So some big names missing out on the top 10 here. I'm looking at the top 10. There is no Billy Gunn, so I'm no longer doing that show. I simply refuse. Um, The women's 15 to 11. Tiffany Stratton, Chris Stat sorry, 15 to 11. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this name. Gulia, G-U-I-L-I-A. I think she's in New Japan. Um, okay. Um, Jade Cargill, Trinity, Chris Statlander, and Tiffany Stratton are the 15 to 11 on the women's list. So, mm. a, a, massive, a massive list uh, has been compiled from all our contributors here on each sleep suplex retweet. Some differing opinions. Uh, David Campbell was telling me that some lists everyone featured. But were like at number ten, so they didn't get enough lists to be on the top ten. Yeah, um, uh, oh. be on the top ten. It's like, it's like the Eurovision Song Contest, isn't it? But it is. Unfortunately, Billy Gunn received no um and wasn't on the list. So, <laughs> but <laughs> If that voting had happened after this show, maybe it would have been a bit different. Well, I mean, I mean, you and I, we we would have been accused of receiving bribes from the Billy Gunn Foundation. Um, but, <laughs> but the nation of Gary and Ross give uh, Billy Gunn ten out of ten, and we hope you'll give this central uh, this episode of our Christmas special ten out of ten. Don't forget our massive back catalogue of Central Saturday Draft Live feature shows, previews, reviews, interviews, and all the news you can find at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet on iTunes, Spotify, and all good Android podcasting sites. And at Suplex Retweet, if you want to tell me what are some of your favourite Billy Gunn moments, what are some of your memories of Billy Gunn, how do you think this trio's run will end, let me know at all. Or if you just want to talk to me about Billy Gunn and how much you love the Ass Man theme song, I mean, I'm more than willing to listen. That's at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you name it. We are on it. Gary, thank you very much for joining me for our... Was it two years ago we did the Viscera special, or was it three years ago?
0: I can't remember, because there was one year we missed the Christmas special because we decided to go to the pub instead of record the show. (laughs) 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 So so, I I think we did Viscera last year.
1: No, no, do you know what it was? 2020 was Viscera. 2021, you, me, Scott and Ryan went to a German beer house and got beers and burgers which, uh, I mean, I think a great if we recorded that, you, you would have loved that. And Scott and Grant, as our resident East meets West in New Japan guys, recorded a great old Cannes Christmas special last year. So this is, we're going to say it's the fourth annual because technically... We did have a Christmas night out Instead of a recording we just <laughs> This is a fourth annual ESSR <laughs> <laughs> Christmas special Happy Christmas, Happy New Year Happy Holidays for anything else you celebrate We'll speak to you again in the new year And hopefully be back next year with another Christmas special We'll speak to you soon, bye bye Hi
0: I'm Scott McLeod And I'm Grant McRobbie We are the host of the monthly show on East The Suplex Retreat, East meets West where we'll bring you all the latest happenings, reviews and big events from New Japan and the land of the Far East.
1: You Remember to check out on the Eat, Eat, Tooth, podcast feed on all good Android podcasting and sites like Anchor, Spotify or iTunes now.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: 18 plus.